Shalom. Welcome to the UMJC Weekly Torah Commentary Series. I'm Dave from Congregation Ruach Israel in Needham, Massachusetts. This Thursday, we're beginning the seventh and final week of counting the Omer, and we're focusing this week on self-control, one of the fruits of the Spirit. To follow along with the rest of the Messianic Jewish community and counting the Omer together, download your free Printed home, Omer Journal at umjc.org. Let's dive into our Parsha for this week. Our Parsha this week is the Midbar, the first Parsha of the Book of Numbers. Uh, now, while in Hebrew, the, the Parsha is named after its first word, the Midbar, in English, we get the name from the Greek Septuagint, Numbers. And as you can see right away, this book is about numbers. Well, more accurately, it seems to be about counting, classifying, and organizing. In particular, organizing the people of Israel. Rabbi Avi Furtig points out in the Musar Torah commentary that the midah, or attribute of seder, order, permeates the entire Parsha. This theme is to be found not only in the census of the Israelites, but also in the fact that they are counted by tribe. Moses, following God's command, recognizes leaders for tribes and clans. He also sets the relative locations of where each tribe is to camp, with the Mishkan, or tabernacle, at the center. Levites are given special attention with their own census and specific responsibilities for their clans. Implied in this arrangement and classification is the concept of boundaries. The commentator Ramban, or Nachmanides, notes the importance of boundaries in his introduction to, his, to the commentary on Bamidbar, he finds a connection between the restriction on approaching the Mishkan in Numbers 151 and the restrictions on approaching Mount Sinai, which we find in Exodus 19.12. Now that we are on the move, we don't discard the notions of holiness and separation or leave them back at the mountain. Rather, the holy and the boundaries it implies move with us. By organizing the camp in this way, you could say that Moses is engaging in acts of separation, or in Hebrew we might say havdalah. The Reubenites camp here, Danites over there, the Levites, they stay by the Mishkan, others, they can't go close to the Mishkan. In this sense, what Moses is doing is a continuation of God's creative effort, which also began as a series of separations, distinguishing light and dark, night and day, earth and sky, land and sea. Thus, the ordering of the Israelite camp is a continuation of Masebereshit, the act of creation. This raises the question of why these passages are meaningful for us today. What might it mean to imitate God's creation, to take marching orders from Moses' organization of the Israelite camp and implicitly Israelite society? While the effort of bringing order to the world can be focused externally on, say, science, politics, or even gardening, it is useful to first turn it inward with a focus on ordering our own lives and communities. Lest we think that creating order in our inner lives is easier or less important, the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot tells us, Who is mighty? One who subdues their evil inclination. As it is said, one that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and one that rules their spirit than one that takes a city quoting there from Proverbs. Anyone who has tried to break a bad habit 
knows how true this is. According to the Kabbalistic tradition, one of the aspects of God's interaction with the world is gevuah, or strength. It represents this ability to limit or restrain, the power to impose boundaries. As humans made in God's image, we can reflect his attributes. Thus, Gevurah became associated with self-discipline and restraint in the Musar tradition of Jewish ethics, which we are drawing on in our focus on the fruit of the Spirit as we count the Omer this year. One insight from the Kabbalistic narrative is that even God engages in self-limitation in a process called simtsum, making space for the universe to exist outside God's self. This extraordinary act of humility and chesed, love, allows the world to be created. Similarly, another act of self-limitation, the incarnation of Yeshua, teaches us that gevurah, literally strength, is not primarily shown in conquering others, but in conquering the self in service of others. As we approach completion of our cycle of counting the Omer, how might we cultivate this midah of self-control? Well, as Musar is a deeply practical tradition, here are some concrete ideas that might help. First, start with awareness. Watch yourself closely. Ask your friends and family members about where you are too strict and where you are too lax. Then watch yourself closely. Looking for self-control and snacking? Make a note in a journal each time you snack. My favorite, by which I mean least favorite because it is difficult and painful, is to look at my children's bad behavior and ask myself if I'm modeling it for them in some way. Spoiler alert, often I am. Another practice is daily journaling that is a, a time-honored part of Musar practice, and it's a great way to build awareness. Number two, psychologist Mordechai Rotenberg applies the concept of tzimtzum to human relationships. Make space for others instead of imposing yourself on every situation. This is where Gevurah interacts with the midah of anava, or humility, which can be defined as taking up the right amount of space, not too much and not too little. Do we have relationships where we should impose less of ourselves, giving others more space, or vice versa? Let's set those boundaries and keep ourselves within those boundaries. Number three, fix things in small doses. To change a behavior, start with changing it for a short amount of time. For example, set an alarm to remind yourself to avoid that behavior between five and six each, each day. As that becomes manageable, build on it by expanding the time window. Number four, we don't live in a vacuum, so it's important to think about the people around us. Lean into your healthy relationships, those that encourage you to be better. Add a dose of intentionality and transparency. Do you have a Musar Havruta partner that you can study with and who can give you feedback on your growth or lack thereof? As Yehoshua ben Parachia says in Perkei Avot, acquire for yourself a companion. And finally, look at the systems in your life. It's hard to change by raw force of will, but big changes can be made by setting yourself up for change in small ways. See James Clear's recent book, Atomic Habits, for some practical guidance, such as becoming aware of cues that trigger your habits, changing your environment, and making change in small, lasting increments. Now, some might say that this kind of self-focused gevurah is overly individualistic or too self-focused. 
they might say, address systemic problems first. And without a doubt, there's a sense in which they're right. Change at a systemic and societal uh, level is always needed and is always important. But without Musar at the individual level, any systemic change will be undermined by lack of humility, corruption, narcissism, ambition, and baseless hatred. Or have you not been reading the news recently? I firmly believe that the world needs leaders who start with their own meat out before addressing all the specks in others' eyes. In that spirit, the author Aldous Huxley wrote, I wanted to change the world, but I have found that the only thing one can be sure of is changing oneself. I actually believe Mr. Huxley may overstate the case a bit. Changing ourselves is no sure thing and not easy to do. But we are not free to desist from the work. May the Creator give us the strength to order our lives as individuals and as a community as we set off through the desert toward the land of promise. This is Dave Nichols signing off and wishing you a good days of counting the Omer and a Shabbat Shalom. For more commentaries like this one, visit umjc.org slash commentaries.